if we don't get a handle on corruption, we are not going to get uh, foreign investment or the right foreign investment. It is projected that there is still approximately $2.5 trillion worth of mineral resources in South Africa, and no picture of the country's future is complete without taking into account what mining can contribute. Hi, I'm Laura Cornish, Editor-in-Chief of Mining Review Africa, and welcome to Deep Insights. In this episode, Senior Editor Gerard Peter asks Vessel Badenhorst of Hogan Lavelle's Johannesburg what the mining industry will look like post the COVID-19 pandemic and what needs to happen in order to attract foreign investment. Let's join the discussion. Vessel Badenhorst, partner at Hogan Lavelle's Johannesburg, thank you for joining us to discuss the South African mining industry after the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Vessel, thank you, Gerald. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Now, now, Vessel, in a recent article that you wrote, you said that mining is South Africa's sweetheart industry. But given the fact that it has been in decline over the years, is mining still significant? Gerald, it's, um, it is very significant to the South African economy. And in, in my view, if you look at the future of South Africa, you cannot look at the future without looking at the health and the contribution of the mining industry. At the moment, it still represents 8% of our GDP. It employs uh, approximately 500,000 people directly. And when you say the industry has been in decline, that's not necessarily so. Um, you know, if you look at over the last 25 years, the contribution that mining has made, not only to the economy itself, but to the transformation and the imprint of, of, uh, of people into an industry that was historically kept by literally uh, seven mining companies 25 years ago. So there's been a real transformation of the industry. And if you think about it, uh, today we have in the order of 58 mining companies as members of the Minerals Council, the old uh, Chamber of Mines. Mm. So it's really, it's really a significant component of South Africa. And if you, if, if you just take a high-level view of South Africa, you, you can scarcely think of the history of South Africa without thinking of the history of mining. So mm. I, I certainly see the future of South Africa still very much linked to the health and the contribution of the mining industry. Mm. Vessel, you, you talked about the transformation and the evolution of the South African mining industry. So before we go on to the topic of uh, the impact of COVID-19, you, you have mentioned that there are other factors that have shaped the industry over the years. Can you briefly touch on some of these, please? Absolutely. I think, uh, Gerald, there, there are really three drivers um, that, that we could focus on when you look at the evolution of the mining industry. Um, overall, uh, the, the view that I take is that we will see, as part of the natural evolution of mining in South Africa, a consolidation of mining interests. And there are three, for me, three important indicators that drives that consolidation. The first one is technology and development. South Africa has estimated another, still another two and a half trillion dollars of mineral resources available. Mm. And, but one has to accept that those cannot be unlocked with the conventional mining methodologies, and some of those are over 100 years old. So the importance of technological advancement is absolutely part of the uh, evolution of the industry. Mm. The second issue is that um, 
certainly because of the globalization of the of this as part this industry yeah. uh, the importance of size in order to enhance economies of scale and remaining globally competitive will drive a consolidation evolution Right. And the third issue is an infrastructure issue within South Africa. And, and I raise that in the context of the, the steady supply of electricity. Yeah. Now, it is a burning issue for all of us, pardon the pun. But uh, the, the issue is that you cannot look at the stability of mining without looking at the importance of a stable uh, stable and competitive electricity supply. Yeah. Now, it is very good that um, the, the government has amalgamated the departments of energy and department of mineral into one uh, department because mm. these do go hand in glove. Right. But I do think that one of the things that the government will have to look at and urgently look at is how mining companies are able to generate power and not only to keep it on their own balance sheets, but to find a way in which we could, um, we, we could develop a private generation of electricity, firstly to enhance ESCOM's capabilities, but also to create a more stable environment for the development of mining and the downstream beneficiation that should be associated with it. Right. What about the role of, of, of transformation in, in the mining sector? Because that's always been a, a point of discussion that not a lot, of, not a lot has, has been done uh, to promote transformation. Uh, is that also a significant uh, factor in the South African mining uh, industry? General, I think what I want to do there is perhaps just remind everyone of the context of where we came from. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about transformation, um, there is there is no one in the mining industry that wouldn't put that at the top of the agenda. But one has to understand where the mining, where we found mining in 1994 at the dawn of democracy in this country. Mm. It was it was really the legacy of Roman Dutch law. It was the legacy of colonialism that brought us into a position where mineral ownership was con concentrated through decades and and, and pretty much two centuries mm. of development of mining. Mm. And when you then started in a new democracy, fundamentally the government had two choices. One choice was to expropriate. Mm. And you couldn't, and, and because of the, of the compromise that we all, all were part of in, in the democracy, we couldn't expropriate without compensation. And that would have meant that, that the, the South African public would have had to pay to expropriate mineral resources. Now that's just beyond our reach. Mm -hmm. So the only other way we could do it was a very sensible and very carefully crafted new mineral regime, which brought us into the concept of mineral custodianship. Mm -hmm. Now, as part of that transformation process, we accepted that it was going to take time to move the, the, the economic power from where it resorted at, night, at the beginning of 1994 into the hands of, uh, of people who were not previously able to access capital and able to develop uh, a, 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 mining, a mining interest. Now, the success story of all of this is that we didn't lose anything in the mining space. Hmm. We didn't lose employment. We didn't lose our, uh, our international standing in relation to mining. 
And what we have done is, as I've said to you, we, we had seven, seven major large um, uh, mining houses that, that controlled mining 25 years ago. Now we have 58 members of the Minerals Council and many more mining companies that are not even members of the Minerals Council. So the transformation process in, in, in the mine, so the first point I want to make is that there is a successful transformation already. It's not, not enough has been done, more has to be done. But in that transformation, one of the important issues are going to be access to capital, access to resources. And uh, the, the other factor will be the government's uh, regulatory involvement in this process. Because as we all know, you cannot move mining rights from one entity to another without the involvement of, of uh, the DMRE. Yeah. So as part of that uh, process and as part of that governmental oversight, the issue of transformation is still paramount. Uh, so so you, we will not see a consolidation of mining interests without meeting the empowerment uh, and transformation imperatives. We will continue our conversation after this short message. Do you know of a company or individual who is making a real difference in African mining? Now is your chance to give them the credit they deserve. The Mining Elite in Africa 2021 Yearbook, published by Mining Review Africa, will focus on those companies and individuals who are making a tangible difference across the African mining sector, to their own businesses, the regions in which they operate, all stakeholders and the greater economies. So don't miss out on this opportunity to shine a light on those people and projects changing the face of mining as we know it. To nominate, please go to miningreview.com and search Elites. Nominations close on 30 September 2020. Mining Elites in Africa 2021, paying tribute to leaders who are making a difference in African mining. Welcome back. Today we are chatting to Vessel Bartnors, partner at Hogan Lovells, Johannesburg, and we are discussing what the SA mining industry will look like post the COVID-19 pandemic. Vessel, I, I want to touch on, 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 on another topic, which is foreign investment. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the challenges that we have with ESCOM and, and our power supply. Um, Post-COVID-19, will South Africa still be an attractive uh, mining destination for international investors? Gerald, I'm going to unfortunately give you a bit of a negative outlook on that, um, and right. and but but hopefully still end up on a little bit of a little bit of a positive optimism because I am an optimist. <laughs> but but what we do have to understand is that we are part of a global village. Uh, we cannot South Africa is not in, not isolated. None of our minerals, apart from very very uh, limited uh, minerals are used domestically most of our minerals are exported and it's, mm. and it's one of the very important components of, of the balance of payments in, in south africa yeah. but foreign investment is what we need we do not have as a matter of principle enough capital domestically to develop our mining uh, our mining industry and what, what i mean by that is not only the primary act of mining digging a hole in the ground and extracting minerals. Mm. It's also the larger imperative, the imperative of having downstream beneficiation, which creates a bigger industry, which creates more employment, which creates a bigger economy. Mm. So in order to do that, we will need foreign investment. That is a given. We cannot, we cannot escape it. Mm. 
And in order to deal with that, I have identified three areas where I think the government will have to start focusing in order to ensure that we can still continue to be a, an attractive investment uh, destination of foreign capital. And I right. think the three issues are, firstly, we've got to get a handle on corruption. Yeah. Um, if, we, if we want to be part of the global village, we've got to play by the global village rules. And corruption, uh, corruption is not, uh, if, if we don't get a handle on corruption, we are not going to get uh, foreign investment or the right foreign investment. The second issue is the issue we've debated, and that is the issue of the electricity supply. So we need, we need to tackle what uh, Minister Ntashi had said in, in February at the mining in Daba. We've got to yes. attack the issue of how do we generate power and how do we allow people to generate power in supplement, uh, in, in supplement to, to ESCOM. And the third issue is a regulatory uh, streamlining. Now, the, the Anybody who's been involved in commercial deals will tell you hmm. that time kills deals. The longer it takes to implement a deal, the more uncertainty, the more factors come into it, and the more likely it is for a deal to fail. The difficulty that we have is that no, no foreign investment into an existing mining operation where you take control yeah. can happen without regulatory approval. And no transfer of mining rights can happen without regulatory approval. Mm. That process in itself is is a little bit too opaque, a little bit too uh, too complicated, and, and takes a little bit too long. Um, it, the, I know that the DMRE has uh, policies afoot internally in order to streamline the Section mm. 11 process, but it is something that we need to start focusing on. Because if we can give a little bit more certainty to investors as to how long it would take to implement a transaction, we, will, we would most certainly attract more investment in the country. It simply cannot be that you advise an investor hmm. that your Section 11 application can take anything from 8 to 18 months. It's just not good enough. We've got to be more specific on that. Hmm. And, and, and as a subtext to regulatory streamline is also regulatory certainty. Mm. Um, we, we, should, we, we, we now need to set the bed down where we are on a regulatory level and not, not change those um, uh, too, too often because these have really uh, very, very long-term impacts on, um, on, on project, uh, project finance and, and on, on the uh, return on investments. So just to give you an example, if, if you change the, for example, the, the uh, the, the definition of a residue stockpile, it impacts yeah. on the long-term planning of, of mining companies and financiers. Yeah. So that, that, that little bit of uncertainty creates a, 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 a creates a, a, an, or, or a, a, sorry, that little bit of uncertainty makes it difficult for people to invest. And mm. I think if we focus on those three issues, Mm. Uh, and they are really topical. They're they right there. Those are the issues we've got to deal with as a country and as an industry. Mm. If we focus on those three, let me let me end it on the opti optimistic side of it. In all in all global disruption as COVID brings, there's always opportunities for those who are astute and can see that. And the opportunities are here in this country. I mean, we're talking about 2.5 trillion dollars of minerals. It's here. Mm. These minerals are relevant. They they're part of the of the globalization that we have. And for example, 70% of the world's crow 
resources are sitting in this country. Chrome okay. is essential to to stainless steel. Yeah. So it's part of the of of the globalization and south africa has an extremely important role to play in that get these things right and we will see that we will reap the rewards we will have more employment and we will have a bigger industry and consequently we'll have a bigger economy better for everyone yeah vessel i i suppose you know you're talking about the, the that the wheels are turning slowly now a lot of that can be put on the doorstep of the COVID 19 pandemic so let's let's go back to you know the subject of the, of this actual interview can you paint us a picture of what the south african mining industry will look like after the pandemic and what would we need to get right besides you know uh your power, the regulatory uh, stipulations, what would we need to get right in order to, to start getting the, the mining industry to its potential? There are a couple of things. Uh, firstly, when we looked at COVID, um, or when COVID hit us, the, the mining industry was one of the first industries to be allowed back into full operation. Um, and in certain respects, it wasn't even shut down at all. Yeah. And when you think about it, um, you know, with all of the risks that were associated with COVID and social distancing and the like, to have been able to do that in an industry where people have to have, have to go to their, their working areas, mm. cages, and be, be, be in close proximity with each other was a remarkable feat. The mining industry is is so well uh, developed in order to deal with that negative impact, and we have seen it. We we haven't seen a significant drop in mining production. Um, we are we remain uh, a, a global player. Yeah. Um, we have we have been able to reap the rewards of a higher gold price. Um, we have been able. We will continue to reap the rewards of of higher commodity prices, but. We, we need to get ourselves ready to deal with, uh, with the changes that COVID will bring. And one of them that I foresee is the consolidation of the industry. And whether that's going to happen over the next year or two or three or 10, that I can't tell you. Uh, but what I can tell you is that it's part of the evolution that will happen. So one of the things that we've got to get ready is we've got to understand that in a consolidation evolution, there is going to be continued pressure on employment. Mm. And we've got, to, we've got to invest in people, we've got to invest in skills, we've got to invest in the education of mm. people. Yeah. That, that, because we have to take a long-term view of our human capital as part of the industry. The second thing that we must do is we've got to get our downstream beneficiation right. Mm. It makes no sense for us to take our raw chrome material out of this country, put it on a ship and transport it to China. And yeah. so that China can produce ferrochrome with yeah. our chrome at 30% lower than the South African ferrochrome producers can do. It, the mind boggles at that very concept. So we've got to get that right. And to get that right, we've got to make sure that we have international investment. So I think one of the things that the South African industry will have to do is we'll have to be more inviting for international investment in this country. And that will bring with it some certain difficulties uh, in, in relation to the preservation of employment and how, how do we deal with these things. 
But, but if we don't do it, it is going to be the metaphor of the goose that lays the golden eggs. Because yeah. if we lose the industry, we lose everything that goes with the industry. Mm. Um, but, but I think if we focus on those high-level issues, we mm. should get it right. Um, and, and, you, and in your introduction to me, you, you asked about the, the impact of COVID, how that slows things down. Yeah. COVID was only, was only a distraction for a few months. Um, we, we, are, we are getting to the tail end of this. We, are, we, have to, we, have, we have to move beyond it, but we understand that the ripple effect will probably take another 18 months before we fully understand what we are dealing with. But if we are astute, if we are alive to these issues, if we, if we have a forward-looking view, we should be able to deal with all of these things. We are a creative bunch of, of people here in South Africa and very resourceful. And I think we can we can get it right. Great stuff, um, Vessel Bardenhorse. Thank you very much for your time and for joining us on Deep Insights today. Thank you very much, Gerald. Thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to our weekly podcast, which is available on all popular podcast platforms. Give us a five star rating and share Deep Insights with your social network. Also. Log on to miningreview.com to access our webinars, videos, industry insights, and the latest mining news. Until next week, goodbye and stay safe.